Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wetzel Show, and I am your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live this morning from Houston, Texas at 9 a.m. Central Daylight Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free, and if you do, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, or get reminders of upcoming shows. The call-in number, if you want to listen on your phone, is 347-945-5309. You can telephone or you can call using Skype. After you call, if you want me to open the line to let you speak, hit the number one. Otherwise, you can just listen on the phone. Also, I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics and spirituality, the coming changes, all the kinds of things we talk about here on this show. I've been sending this free newsletter out for about 12 years. To sign up for that, you go to my primary website, hotpinklotus.com. I don't share your email address ever with anybody. Your privacy is important. We've got a very interesting show for you today. It will be my co-host Becky and I talking about the um, solfagio frequencies and how artists affect culture. Um, Confucius said that as the music of a kingdom changes, the kingdom changes. And civilization went enormously through some major changes when we went from the solfagio frequencies as the basis of our music to our current eight-note scale. And that happened right about the time that... Um, the Bible was changed by a Roman emperor to reflect that there's no such thing as reincarnation, and before that, it did. So let's uh, say hi to Becky. Hi, Becky. Is that you, Becky? No? Okay. Well, I guess she'll be here in a minute. Um, If you want to hear the solfagio frequencies, you can go to my website, Hot Pink Lotus, and um, there are several solfagio frequencies. Um, the one that's for the root chakra is 285 hertz. And uh, we'll listen to some of these in a minute. The second chakra is 396 hertz, as in hertz frequency, vibrational frequency. Solar plexus is 458 hertz. Heart chakra is 528 hertz. The fifth or chakra or the throat chakra is 639 hertz. The brow or sixth chakra, 741 hertz. And the crown or seventh chakra is 852 hertz. So, let's listen to those, shall we? I want you to listen to the one for the root chakra. This, again, is a solfagio frequency. These are, by the way, mentioned in Lynn Horowitz's book, Biological Codes for the Coming Apocalypse. And a lot of people are of the belief that the solfagio frequencies are also the ascensional frequencies. Okay, this is the one that corresponds to the root chakra, the one that comes up from the earth between your legs and enters right about the root of, uh, base of your spine. And listen to this. Taking a minute to upload. 
You can find these on YouTube, by the way. It's that undertone that is the Hertz frequency. Hi, Becky. Hi, good morning. Can you hear the music? I can. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it is. I'm kind it's, of it, well, it's body, too. Although I wish the sound quality were better. I'm going to open up the chat, see who's there. That's why I couldn't find it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a little bit of technical difficulty here on my end yeah. for some reason. These things happen. I know. Let's see. I'm opening the chat. So if anybody's listening and wants to get on the chat, sometimes people will chat, but they don't want to call in. Mm-hmm. So. I'm that way sometimes. Yeah. It's a shyness thing. Okay. I don't see anybody there yet, but then again, it's not fully open. Here we go. Again, these uh, solfagio frequency tunes, people have created things around the solfagio frequencies. Okay, now the chat's open. And you can get them on YouTube. They're pretty interesting. So um, now the chat's open. So I'm going to go on to the the next the next one is the uh, second chakra, which is creativity. And you know, of course, sexuality, reproduction. I'm going to play that one for a little while. Again, that's 396 hertz. takes a minute for these to upload. I took them off YouTube and put them on my website, Hot Pink Lotus, so people could just go through and listen to them. You can meditate to them if you want. So, um... You know, when I was in, while that's uploading, I mean, I don't know why it takes it so long to load. Um, so when we um, when we were in art school back in the, well, when I was in art school back in the 60s, they told us when we studied the history of modern art that you could look at the art that people on the cutting edge of the current times were producing to see which way the culture was headed. And their theory was that the artists were really sensitive and had a feel for where culture was headed, and so they made art that reflected where everyone was going. 
And, you know, after I learned this about what Confucius said about it, is the music of a kingdom changes, the kingdom also changes. It just I flashed back on that, and I realized that um, perhaps they weren't seeing where it was going, but creating where it was going. In other words, if music changes it, perhaps visual imagery does too, because as we know, every um, everything has different frequency ranges. And this goes back to Jay-Z Knight when she was first channeling. She said things are stepped down gradually from thought to um, light to electricity. I'm trying to remember what the sequence was. And finally into matter. And um, so if if these visual images have sounds that are attached to them as well as um, also physical manifestations, then if if the music changes a kingdom, so would the visual art, so would the architecture, so would the you know sculpture stuff like that. So um, <clears throat> what do you think about that theory, Becky? Hmm, Becky. We are definitely having some problems with uh, equipment today. So, um, anyway, that's my theory. And um, I've wondered, you know, who else has thought about that? Because this was right about the same time that the... um, that they started using the um, eight-note scale, which is easier to compose on, you know. But when they started using the eight-note scale is when, it, coincidentally, the whole changes came in the Bible and um, people began believing something completely different than apparently what um, had been taught by Jesus, who had been taught by the Essenes, which is that God's within, and you need to look within to make contact with God, and the concept was changed to you need to look outside yourself somewhere to like a priest um, or, well, to a priest to help you make contact with God, which is just like the total opposite of what Jesus, who was in a scene, was teaching. So I think that's interesting. And... um, So I'm curious as to what everybody else thinks. Do you have anything to say on the um, on the chat, or if you have anything to say by asking a question, I'm gonna open that up. That possibility. It's very interesting the interference we're getting right now. Let's see if I can do something about that. Thank you for being patient with me. I'm even having trouble getting back to my original... um, 
switchboard. I think something very funny going on here. So I guess I'll just keep talking until I can get back to my switchboard and see if I can pick Becky back up again. She got her connection disconnected. That's twice today. I was talking to her once before the show, and we got disconnected. So funky things going out the, on out there in the ether. Um, so, yeah, solfagio frequencies. So one of the things, one of the reasons I began studying the solfagio frequencies is that it came up in a, a Adena Module 1 class. Um, the Ankanash, the beings that I make contact with, or who first made contact with me about in 1998, came into the healing room and then left for a while and uh, came back years later, about five years later, to ask me to bring a new form of energy medicine to the planet. One of the first um, advanced module has to do with um, sulfagio frequencies, and uh, they talk about the... Um, the frequencies are the ones that tell me which frequency goes with which chakra. And um, so I began studying the sulfagio frequencies. And like I said, Lynn Horowitz of Biological Codes for the Coming Apocalypse um, is in the process now of working with people who can create um, keyboards to make keyboards and to put information on the Internet about how to create keyboards that will play the solfagio frequencies um, because the, show, the solfagio frequencies are um, very different than the ones you find on a normal keyboard, and it's almost impossible to find one, a keyboard, um, and the only person I know who's got one says it's proprietary and he's not going to make anybody else one because he wants to be the only one who makes the music. So I'm not sure how evolved I think that is. But anyway, Lynn Horowitz is in the process of um, teaching people on online with some guys who know about switchboards, I mean not switchboards, keyboards, how to create your own solfagio frequency keyboards. So um, that's pretty interesting. And um, hmm, I may have been disconnected. I may be talking to just pure air because I cannot find my blog talk radio switchboard. Something's messing with me, folks. If you can still hear me, it's a miracle. Something is messing with my computer and my phone line. And I don't know if I'm even still broadcasting because I can't get back to my blog talk radio switchboard because of all the interference. Okay, I'm going to take a look at the chat. Oh, great. You can hear me still. Awesome. Thank you for telling me. All right. 
see if I can get back on to the switchboard now to open up the line to Becky. So, anyway, um, something's wrong with that, too. All right, so I guess I'm just supposed to do a monologue for, for the time being to talk about these frequencies. Um, so, when the Ankanash told me to uh, begin to study these frequencies, I realized that, um, and they explained to me that, the sacred geometry forms that they had given me also had a color and a sound, and that everything has a color and a sound and a visual expression uh, because sacred geometry is how everything is formed. That is how beings who are spiritual create a manifest world is through sacred geometry. And I'm assuming that goes through the mental plane. And the mental plane is this. If you've ever fallen asleep and everything looks like geometric forms, then you are looking into the mental plane. And um, um, so sacred geometry is how so I would appear to have been completely and totally kicked off my computer. The forces are not with me this morning. So I still don't know if anybody can hear me. Anyway, I'm just going to keep talking until such time as I can get my computer to acknowledge that I exist. <laughs> That's pretty silly. Um, so, since I'm not getting a dial tone and it doesn't sound like I've been hung up on, maybe I'll just continue with my, oh, you know what I can do? Until then, I can tell you that this month, the July Sedona Journal, I was published again under my pen name, Lotus Fire. And I can read this um, this article to you, which was published until such time as I can get back on the switchboard, which it looks like it's starting to reboot. It's called Theoretical Physics, Space, and Time. It's Archangel Gabriel, and I've been told for the time being anyway to use a pen name, which is Lotus Fire. And so here it is. Greetings, O precious ones. I am Gabriel, Lord of the Moon, ruler of the inner and outer tides. I come to you at this junction of space and time to speak with you about several things. First, I speak to congratulate your scientists who, at the theoretical physical level, are entertaining the notion that their theories of physics would be more cogent were they to assume that space and time are mere illusions and to delete them from their calculations and mathematical theories of the nature of reality. These theories are definitely best served by assuming that space and time do not exist, for, as you all know, in actuality, they do not. Time and space only exist as an illusion. They are an illusion for convenience, and they exist due to the fact that you are on a spinning planet submerged in duality. A realistic theory of how the universe works is best served by thinking the unthinkable, by deleting notions of time and space, indeed abolish them forever. 
Even now, there have been experiments showing that information can come back into the present from the future and that healing and prayer and other spiritual technologies affect the past. This has been known for quite some time. Indeed, it would best serve humanity's understanding of your own reality should the physicists, and shall we say when the physicists, come to agreement that there is no time and no space. In actuality, your reality is merely that you are unlimited beings who exist in unlimited time, meaning forever. You are infinite beings who exist in unlimited space, again, forever. You are connected to everything, to all that is and is to be indefinitely. Dream not for a moment this this temporary drama in which you are submerged as any reality beyond a convenient temporal illusion. Yes, it is a convenient temporary illusion so that the soul might have a rapid learning experience, but to assume that there is any major importance or depth beyond this learning experience to the illusion or the maya of three-dimensional reality only shortens your learning curve. Once humanity realizes that the focus of this experience is learning, then perhaps the individual might focus upon that learning. Although many of you have done so, the masses have not yet. The masses have not yet realized that all the pain, all the sorrow, and all the trials and tribulations are merely fast-track learning experiences for your souls. Were they to realize this, the spiritual evolution would speed up immeasurably. The physicists are in a prime position to help the masses understand the illusion of space and time, and this realization by the masses is poised to happen in the very near future. Focus on what you want is the subtitle of the next section. People abound who feel it necessary to make various specific predictions about earth changes. There will be such earth changes for the healing, balancing, and conscious evolution of Gaia, but it is not necessary to focus upon when, where, and how they will occur. To do this often results in the combined energy of those stuck in three-dimensional experiences, you may phrase this state of mind, to focus on these events, to expect, anticipate, worry, or fear them, and thus to intensify or even create them. They do this in all innocence of realizing that their thoughts have such power. They do this in all innocence of their being creator gods. Yet these expectations, coupled with intense emotion, can often create that which they want not. Focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. We will say this again. Focus on following your inner gyroscope, the light in your hearts, to know when and where to be at all times. Should you need to leave, you will be guided to be on vacation or visiting friends out of town, for example, when the earth changes occur. Many who might consider expressing fear in their hearts must refrain from doing so. Protect the future of this earth, which is becoming a new Eden. Protect it by projecting thoughts of trust, love, and safety. Do this for the earth and all its inhabitants, from the greatest of them to the least. It is your sacred duty not to entertain fear. Control your thoughts. Control your feelings. In this way, you might assist others including the most important leaders as they heat the metals of the earth and like powerful blacksmiths transform the materials of war, their swords as it were, into plowshares that humankind might be fed, grow spiritually, and evolve as was intended from the beginning so that the new Eden might be born with the gentlest birthing experience possible. Next subtitle is Love and Compassion Through the Chaos. 
And this is a form of chaos we seem to be going through right now. Universal love is the theme of the coming phase of humanity. Love and compassion are two halves of the same whole. Compassion for another's learning, showing patience as they learn and grow, is an expression of love. If there is a region where there is pain, suffering, and starvation, what can you as individuals do? One thing that all humans can do is to visualize a new, healthy, equitable prosperity flooding the entire planet, enveloping that region as well. Visualize only good coming of the current chaos, for this is indeed merely a shifting of the energies to create balance. As patterns rearrange, what looks like chaos is merely the emergence of a new pattern. Those who know chaos theory understand how this works. There appears to be no pattern at all, but indeed what is occurring now is that you are shifting to a newer, more beautiful pattern. Your view is minuscule compared to the grandness of the full pattern. You cannot perceive more than a fragment of the entirety that which appears of that which appears to be utter chaos. In the middle of all that, remember that there is a grand design and that the designer is larger and vaster than your consciousness can grasp at this time. Trust that grand design, for we in the expanded realms are also seeing these fractions of the whole, and we have seen these fractions shift before. We trust, and so must you, for your consciousness can assist this shift that it occurs more smoothly or more unpleasantly, depending on your level of calm. Be the eye of the storm in which nothing at all chaotic is happening. Be a silent observer and remain out of judgment, for you do not fully know what you are seeing in its entirety. You do not know what anything means. So just be the calm center of the storm at all times, like the eye of the hurricane, so that there is peace just where you are, and the seeming chaos will shift around you. You will experience a smoother transition. Hey, Becky, you're back. Hi, Becky. Hmm. Okay. Practice compassion by helping the needy. Another small but important thing you can each do is, if you know a particular region that is experiencing starvation, buy products from that region. This will support their economic pattern, helping them return to a healthier one. This is a way to show love. Hi. Am I back? Yes, you are. And I'm going to finish the Archangel Gabriel transmission, then we'll talk about solfagia. Okay. I'm I'm hanging out in chat. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you later. This is a way to show love to those who are hungry, to support their economy. The individual might not be able to control whether governmental food aid gets to the individuals in that country, but the individual is able to purchase items handcrafted by artisans in a stressed region, for example. Ultimately, some portion of your purchase price must go to the regional artisan. We do not advocate ceasing food aid to foreign countries, however, because much of it does reach the recipients, though not all. In the end, remember that starvation and pain are merely illusions and that there are those who have incarnated to experience these for their own growth. This does not, however, excuse allowing masses of people to die of starvation or genocide and the like by merely turning away. This is not the answer, for indeed, if you are able to assist with healing or food aid or monetary support by purchasing goods from that stressed region, part of what you may have done is to incarnate to make change in the world by expressing this form of compassion by helping others who are less fortunate. Everything is a learning experience for your spiritual growth, and many of you are in a position to help others now, and you have had lives 
in the past in starvation. For you, perhaps the lesson is whether you will turn around and feed others even though when the situation was reversed, they did nothing. The answer is in the compassionate heart is yes. Fear and indifference to the plight of others is the polar opposite of love and compassion. We hold truly that humanity will quickly fight the tendency to go into isolation and fear, ignoring the pain that is going on in these regions of the world. Many of the affected individuals also agreed at a soul level to experience this in part so that others might learn compassion. To turn your back on other people is to turn your back on yourselves as you are one. I am Gabriel, Lord of the Moon, ruler of the inner and outer tides, loving and blessing each and every one of you, O precious ones. And that is that. So I'm going to take a look over at What are they saying over in chat, Becky? Becky? Hmm. Maybe she can't hear me and go into chat at the same time. So I'll check on the chat and see what's going on. If anyone has a question, the call-in number is 347-945-5309. If you have a question about the Archangel Gabriel transmission or question and comment about the um, solfagio frequencies or how artists affect the future. Mm. Becky? Yes? Is anything happening on chat that I need to know? Well, I... um. You had mentioned at some point, I wasn't able to catch, kind of faded in and out, but um, you made a connection between, like, geometry and sound. Uh-huh. And um, I was, and it, I never made that connection before, but it makes sense because I know, like, the planets emit frequencies. Uh-huh. You know, we only have a certain spectrum that we're able to, you know, physically hear within, but it makes sense that geometry, the different shapes, would have different frequencies, like an energetic signature. Yes. And, and so that's, that's all that was, was brought up so far. But it, I, that kind of surprised me. I never made that connection before, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does. And here's the thing is what Jay-Z Knight had said a long time ago in that first Ramsa book <clears throat> was that Everything has a frequency, and the highest frequency is pure thought. And as that frequency is stepped down, it becomes light. And as that frequency is stepped down, it becomes electricity. And it keeps being stepped down until the the slowest frequency of that particular thing, whatever it is, is um, you know, sound is in that continuum somewhere. the The slowest frequency is, you know, the physical expression. Hmm. So, for example. The color fuchsia or hot pink? Yes. The mineral that's the expression of that same frequency is lithium. Ah. Yeah. And when I was interviewing Thornton Streeter, who's a guy who's the UK's expert in alternative medicine, and he's got a lab in Pune, India, that is financed by MIT, and he just opened recently a lab in um, Boulder, Colorado. He said that he's been taking pictures of the the aura and how it changes as people work on it and all that, and he's got those in video form. And he has watched things come across that screen that he said as big as whales sometimes, that he's got a whole file of these anomalies. And he said... In actuality, that we are carbon-based, and there are 
I don't know how many, 76, whatever number of elements there are in the chemical table, he said, for each element, there are also life forms. And I said, Hmm. what? He said, yep, existing in something to the effect of existing in different frequencies, there are other life forms. So there are Hmm. beings that are lithium-based, and there are beings that are, um, I don't know, silver-based and gold-based, and all of the elements have their own life forms. And that's his theory, and it was just like, it just grabbed me and shook me all over. It's like, oh, my God, of course there are. Yeah. But we're not seeing them because they're in a different frequency. Right. So. And yeah, wasn't it um, Shakespeare who said there are entire worlds, Horatio, that lie between the tip of your nose and the palm of your hand? Exactly. So just because they're not within our, yeah, they're just dimensional. Yeah, they're just in another yeah. dimension. Interesting. And here's my theory about what's going to happen over the next period of time between now and whatever this huge shift is at the end of 2012 is that more and more people are going to begin to perceive things outside the normal realm of perception. They're going to be able to see things that they've always been told cannot be seen. And they're going to begin to hear things they've always been told cannot be heard. Like maybe they walk by a tree and it says something. Or maybe their houseplant says, you know, I'm really thirsty. Could you do something about that? Mm-hmm. And people are going to be scared spitless and they're going to be coming running to people like you and me wanting to know what the heck's going on. <laughs> <laughs> because all expanding and yeah. a whole lot of people are going to be freaked out. They're going to think that, Somebody put LSD in the water or something, and um, and then gradually they're going to start asking for guidance. Mm-hmm. Is my hope. That's my hope. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we, maybe we'll start to see the lithium beings. I think I would like them. For I some think they'd be very balanced and mellow. <laughs> they would be so mellow. <laughs> and, and I hope the gold beings aren't arrogant. You know. I really do. Thinking they're better than everybody. But yeah, yeah. I'm thinking we're going to start seeing stuff that we used to have to have aura cameras to see. Yeah. And we're going to start seeing with our eyes open the things that people like me can see with the third eye, with the physical eyes closed. And the reason I say that is because that's, that's happening a little bit to a lot of people. Like, for example, have you ever had the experience of you see something scurrying along the floor and you turn to look and it's not there? Sure, like little shadow people or yes, little... Yes. little yeah. animals almost. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because so many of us are now seeing into the astral realm, mm-hmm. which is why it's so important, and Archangel Gabriel has talked about this before, how important it is to get the astral realm as cleaned up as we possibly can before the average Joe starts to see it because he'll be freaked out and scared. <laughs> Well, that makes sense. Where you can actually begin to see psychically right now is with your peripheral vision, but you turn the center of your eyeball at it and it is gone. Mm -hmm. If you can allow yourself to see with your peripheral vision, you'll begin to see things right now that you couldn't see with the center of your eye. I don't know why Mm -hmm. that is, but I have noticed that's true and I've read where other people have noticed that it's true. And another thing um, is one night I was sitting uh, watching TV and I noticed that there was 
out, I could see it again peripherally. Off to the side, there was about 18 inches up off the ground, there was a blue star in my living room. And I thought, huh, there is a little blue star, and it had beams going up and down and left and right, and then four more at diagonals that were smaller. And it was kind of blue-white in the center, and I thought, oh, my God, there's a star, and I wonder what that is in my living room, and I know if I look right straight at it, it'll be gone. So I sat there for about 15, 20 seconds with this, and as soon as I had that thought, there's a star there, it began to quiver. Oh. Yeah. And it was like it was quivering with joy. I could feel the excitement. And I thought, oh, it's excited that I can see it, and it quivered again. And um, then I thought, you know, I'm going to look at it. And I looked, and boom, it was gone, and I didn't see it again. But it was very distinct, and it was like one of those rare situations where I saw something psychically with my eyes wide open. Stopped doing that when I was a little kid because people would go berserk and scream hysterically when I would say, oh, look, there's a man standing over there, and, you know, no one else could see him. So I think that's one of the things that's going to happen is that more and more of us are going to begin to see with our eyes open those things that um, we could probably see when we were little Mm -hmm. but, but can't remember, and we're going to start hearing things, and we're going to start realizing when we do all that that we're connected to other things, like when you walk past a bush and you bump into it and, you know, knock off some leaves, it goes, ow. Yeah. (laughs) Watch where you're going. And then people either freak out or they start working on their spiritual abilities or their spiritual understanding. What do you think about that crazy theory? Yeah, well, you know, and I I thought actually of um, The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy picked the apple off that tree and he's like, hey. (laughs) I don't know if you remember that, but they were, um, that was in the, where they found the Tin Woodsman or something, and all those trees started attacking them and chasing them around, but um, anyway. I've seen that movie a lot of times because one of my kids watched it over and over, and I don't remember that part. Oh, I think it was in the woods where the Tin Woodman was, but um, she just reached up to grab an apple off the tree, and he's like, hey, you know, how would you like it if someone came along and just started tugging at you? And so, yeah, and you know, so maybe that's why the American Indians always ask permission. Mm-hmm. Because they did have this level of consciousness. Yeah, and well, they, they realized that we're all connected. Right, right. And, and that, you know, if you if you need an animal for its meat or its its hide, that you thank it mm-hmm. for offering that up. Because there's a whole school of spiritual teaching that says that uh, spirits can evolve up from the animal kingdom through self, self-sacrifice to the human kingdom. Now, some people are going to be incensed by that, and others are going to go, oh, that makes sense, but there's yeah. a whole spiritual school of thought to that effect. Yes, and I've I've heard a similar um, theory about how upset vegetarians are going to be when they realize, like, when they cut the wheat, that it screams. <laughs> it emits, it emits no, their they can frequency. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, there's a, yeah, so, you know, everything is alive, everything has a frequency, and when you interrupt that frequency, you know, there's a little blip on the radar, so, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, the the wheat screams, the plant screams, but then again, um, on the other side of that, they're here for our, they exist to support us on our path and our journey. Exactly. 
Yeah, and that's why it's polite to say, may I have a leaf from your box? Like when I go to the uh, aloe vera plant, if I've got a scrape or a burn or something, I always mm-hmm. ask it, may I have a leaf for my healing? And it always says yes, um, and I've never had one say no, and then I ask which leaf. and I do Really? A, yeah. I ask it which leaf it will give up, and it's usually one of the outer ones. And huh. I, I ask it, and I do a little muscle testing to make sure I'm hearing clearly, and then I very gently and with a very sharp knife cut off the leaf I want because imagine if you were having something amputated, would you want a nice clean cut or would you want somebody twisting and tugging and biting it off? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I never thought about that. It's like just keep pinching it. <laughs> like, yeah. And if it's supposed to, and if it's supposed to heal you, then why would you want to put the negative energy into it before you could use it? I, exactly. I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. And why treat it like it's an inanimate object? Which brings us to the next level of if if everything has consciousness and we're connected to everything, then why would you treat anything like an inanimate object? Mm-hmm if everything has consciousness, which there's a whole huge school of thought that says everything does have consciousness. Right. So when I was learning to use a computer, I used to get frustrated and curse it and stomp, you know, hit my fist onto the table and everything. And I realized one day that it might have consciousness, particularly since it was silicone-based, you know, Mm -hmm. like a crystal. And I, I apologized to it. This is maybe, you know, 18 years ago. I apologized to it, told I wasn't going to curse it anymore. I realized it was my own stupidity that was the problem or my own ignorance. And would it please do X, Y, or Z? And I tried it again, and it did do what I was trying to get it to do. So I thought, aha, yelling at the computer is not a good idea. (laughs) Because everything's got consciousness. Right. Which is why if your car won't start, sometimes rakeying the battery helps. I've had that happen more than once, where you rake yeah. your car because it won't work, and then it does long enough to get you to a place where you can get it fixed. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you know, I've I've spoken with mine as well, um, ba- you know, baiting it along and talking to it. I talk to things all the time. Actually, I think I told you about talking to my body not too long ago. Oh, that was brilliant, Um, yeah. Yeah, and just asking for some cooperation, making sure that I honored it for doing all those things that I don't have to think about, like, you know, keeping my eyes moist and, you know, my heart going and all the subconscious things that my body just automatically does. It's just brilliant. Yeah. And so after acknowledging that, and I needed a little bit of cooperation with it to get get through the day, and I just had a little heart-to-heart with it, and it was amazing. I had absolutely amazing results. So now I have a tendency when I'm tired to, you know, take care of it and nurture it and all that. I had a really phenomenal experience along those lines, and you're telling me that reinforced it for me, that I was reading um, something about one of those one of those uh, videos that were being sent out about the horrors that are going on in the Gulf and all these horrible things that could happen. I'm thinking, what the hell's the matter with these people? sending out this fear-based stuff to make everyone panic. Mm 
and who's behind it because it was really scary and, and, you know, just, but my conscious mind didn't go to fear because I've got myself trained mm-hmm. not to go to fear. But I had to jump up from the computer and run to the bathroom because my physical body was freaking out. Really? I had a, re- yeah. I mean, yeah. it was like, oh, it was, my body was terrified, but my mind was not. So I mentioned this to a friend of mine, and she said, well, you know, your body has a separate consciousness, and you will survive, and you know it no matter what happens, but your body won't, and it knows it. That's oh. why your body went into a panic like that, and you that had to run to the bathroom. And I went, holy cow, I never realized before that my body has a consciousness that's separate from me, and I should acknowledge it and talk to it. Mm-hmm. And then you had your experience, and I went, yeah, time for me to wake up to that little fact. It's yeah. not some machine I'm driving around. No. Nope. It's a lot well, and consciousness. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same theory of, like, what you put in it, what you use. I mean, it's an amazing, amazing um, invention. You know, the the ancestors who, you know, put this body together, you know, connected the DNA, which I guess is, was us. Um, it's, you know, they, it was, it's so brilliant. You know, it just does everything you need it to do. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense. I mean, I remember reading a story about this little kid who had cancer. And they didn't give him much longer to live. And he'd been through all the chemotherapy and all of this stuff. And um, a nurse suggested that, you know, he um, attack the cancer with his mind. And he's like, well, what would that look like? And she says, oh, I don't know. Did you ever play Pac-Man? Did you ever you know, play any video games or anything. This is obviously some time ago with Pac-Man, but mm-hmm. um, I guess this little kid, when he ended up in full remission, never had any problems, and they asked later on what he did. He says, well, I got in my little starship and went around my body. I saw myself going through my body, and I was attacking these little things and breaking it up in little fragments and destroying it, but he was playing like a little video game inside his blood traveling around in his little spaceship and talking to his body. And I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah, thank God for the nurse who suggested it as well. Yeah, and I don't even realize think that she realized at the time what she was doing, but this little kid took that idea. and he, um, I guess there was a movie called um, Inner Space is what I was thinking of, where they go inside your blood vessels. It had Martin Short in it. I used to really love Martin Short a lot. Well, I still do. And um, they would go around a little drive around their blood vessels and explore the body and have all kinds mm-hmm. of adventures. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what that. that little kid did. He just Very got cool. in his little spaceship and went through his blood and started attacking all the diseased cells, and they disintegrated. Like and, Pac-Man. Yeah, it yep. worked. It worked. It worked. Especially when you're a little kid and you don't have any uh, anything in your head saying you can't do that. No, that's a good point. I mean, most adults, adults dismiss too. Adults do this too. They can, but there are a lot of adults who can't because they've got a, a voice in their head saying, boy, are you an idiot trying to stay yeah. like this. Well, and it's the belief systems that they hold, that they're powerless over this disease. You know, yeah. I have to go to the doctor for this. Like, well, yeah. you know, and yes, I mean, disease does serve a purpose. Sometimes it facilitates a larger lesson, you know, like asking for help or, um, you know, just... Um, reinforcing faith or whatever there's a you know there's a reason a bigger reason that we can't always explain but 
just as you can make yourself sick, you can also heal yourself. Exactly. So, um, anyway, where was where were we before we got on to? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't so anyway, know. I became aware of the consciousness of my physical body, and when I did that, I started talking to it mm-hmm. and um, asking it questions and waiting for an answer and reassuring it. And there was one point at which, you know, while I was working on the uh, diet thing I was going through, it just was flooding my brain with thoughts of eating greasy things. So I thought, you know what? I need to tell it it will get oil again someday. (laughs) So I said, look, you, you will get oil again someday. And I ate a half a teaspoon of tahini and it was satisfied and I quit having those obsessive thoughts about fat until it came the time Hmm. to eat fat so um, yeah so if everything's got consciousness then your physical body has a separate consciousness than your um, than your mind or whatever you want to call that the ego the higher self and all that are separate than the physical body it has its own consciousness and then of course so do trees have consciousness and cars have consciousness and you know, I, have, I bought a used car one time, and I thought, hmm, I should name this car. I'd never named a car before. And it said, I already have a name. It's Gisela. Well, it was a German car. So I went, <laughs> Gisela? Oh, Gisela. And I didn't know how to spell that. So I called a friend who's Swedish, and I said, how do you spell Gisela? And she told me. I said, well, that's what my car says its name is. And she said, well, that's probably what its name is then. <laughs> so, I mean, I can also, you can... Oh, that same car, I decided I was going to sell it, mm-hmm. and it heard me talking to someone on the cell phone mm-hmm. while I was in the car before I stopped doing that. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to sell the car, and I stopped, and I went into Whole Foods and came back out, and when I turned on the car, it wouldn't come on. But on Uh-oh. the display, yeah, on the display mm-hmm. where the radio is supposed to, the thing that shows, what right. channel you're on and what's playing. What came mm-hmm. on on that was some sort of, it looked like Japanese characters. And I thought, how the hell is that possible? This is a German car and I speak English. And it was flashing <laughs> across this panel, these, these Japanese-looking characters, and but the car wouldn't come on. And I thought, what the hell's going on? And I finally said, oh, Gisela, did you, you must have heard me saying I'm going to sell you, but here's what you need to know is that someone else is going to then have you who loves you as well and someone who's going to appreciate you and think that you're the coolest thing in the whole world because your hard top is a, will open up the trunk and put itself down and they will it will love you they will love you because you go so fast and you know just telling someone else will <laughs> love you I'm not the only one who will ever love you and then yeah. I patted it on the console, and I said, it's going to be just fine. You will find another person who's just as excited as I was when I first bought you. Mm-hmm. So then I put the key back in, and it turned on and started. Oh, my gosh. And I never saw the Japanese characters again. <laughs> it's like it was trying to talk to me in car, car lingo, I guess. Yeah. I, but it was like this display, and they were running across the thing, and I, I swear I've never seen anything like that before or since. So, yes, it's important to talk to your car. Yeah. It's also important to talk to your house when you're selling it, too. 
Oh, yes. That's what I had a similar experience when I was trying to sell my house, and I had a million people coming through and looking at it, and they all loved it, and but I was not getting any offers. Huh. And um, it came to my attention through speaking with somebody that um, the energy in there wasn't right, and it was like in fear because you know I bought it from a, a retired couple. They they bought it. And then they had gone into assisted living, but it hadn't been updated, remodeled. I mean, nobody had cared for this house for, you know, 20 years. You know, they just existed in it. And when I came in, it's like, you know, windows and light and, um, you know, making it a home and hanging pictures. And I just loved, loved, loved that house. Well, I think it was also in some type of fear mode that, you know, someone would come in and not appreciate it. And... um so I worked on um, the energy of the house, and lo and behold, you know, in this crazy, crazy market, at least at least I was able to sell it. I didn't get out of it what I wanted to, but at least I wasn't stuck with it and, you know, foreclosed upon or anything. So yeah. I think everything does have a consciousness and an energy about it, a frequency, mm-hmm. um, a signature, just like we have signatures because we don't go by names, I don't think, on the other side. We go by our energy signatures. And you know, other beings recognize our energy. Mm-hmm. They recognize our light. Yeah, our rec- light, yes. Yeah. We recognize, my understanding is we recognize each other's light signature. Well, that makes perfect sense. And you were talking earlier about how light, you know, there, there's a full spectrum of, I forget how you said that, that we are light, we are frequency, we are energy. And it's just different variations of the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's in a family. Yeah. I, it's something like that. I'm not... Yeah, each... Well, each <clears throat> element in the periodic table has its own group of life forms that go with it. Right. I need to take notes when we talk. I forget exactly what you said. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of weird stuff that's over the top a bit. Um. But, yeah, so if you're trying to sell your house, perhaps a good idea is to have a little talk with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you did with your car. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and it's like, I can't wait. You know, it's it's time for me to move on, but I can't wait to see what the next person has to offer you. You know, you've been such a good, you know, place for me, a nice safe place, you know, whatever, you know. And actually, there are people who um, make lists. You know, it used to be like the goal setting and creating. You'd write it all down, and this is this is what I'm grateful for, and this is what I'd like attract to attract in my life now. Mm-hmm. So there's always this process of the gratitude for what it's given, and then um, the excitement for what's to come. Not only for you, but for whatever you're leaving behind. Mm-hmm. For the next just, person to come in. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, somebody who feels the energy and appreciates it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yep. So, um, <clears throat> what else do we want to talk about? We've got about four I'm, minutes left. We do. Well, what do you have coming up? What do I know? I you're hot and heavy into your classes. Well, it looks like I will be teaching a. Um, <clears throat> Um, Adina workshop in September 
in Bangor, Maine, and also uh, an advanced Adena Module 1 class while I'm up there. And um, this weekend I'm doing a, an Adena workshop on Sunday afternoon here in Houston. And a Module 2 class the following weekend, also in Houston. So if you're curious about Adena, it's that form of energy medicine that, if anyone is curious about it, um, that I mentioned that the blue star beings came into my healing room and began talking to me about bringing this new form of energy medicine in. Um, So that's what I've got going on. And um, constantly adding to the website, like, Custom pendulums are now on the Hot Pink Lotus website. Yes. wants to uh, send me a picture of themselves, and I will make them a custom pendulum based on what their energy signature requires. Um, that kind of thing. And I also will do the past life readings, which, oh, by the way, we were going to talk about past lives last week, and then I, I was sick, in case anybody's wondering what happened. At the last minute, I had to cancel the radio show because I was like sicker than a dog. My frequency was changing because I'd been to a seminar the weekend before, and my frequency was changing with such violent intensity. Yeah. <laughs> very, very sick for about three wow. years. Yeah, the, the pattern shifted, and that's all I wanted was that pattern to shift. That was so, something else. Oh, and here's the other thing. If anybody's interested in having a long-distance EMF balancing session, Becky does that. <coughs> and if they want to reach you, how should they do that, Becky? Um, email is best, I guess. And that <coughs> Excuse me. My website is www.masterinpractice.com. Dot com, and you can reach me at Becky at MasterInPractice.com. All righty then. Be happy to... Want, yeah, long-distance <coughs> electromagnetic field balancing, which is what Cryon talks about. Um, then get in touch with Becky. Yeah, I'd be happy to answer any questions or... Um, yeah, that's one of the things I do that I just love. I love playing in that energy. And and that also um, involves geometry and um, templates and sacred geometry and energy, running energy. And it's mm-hmm. it's the it's universal energy, not my energy, just, you know, much like Reiki. It's, right. I just facilitate. Yeah. So, so that's masterinpractice.com. Mm-hmm. That's your website. Okay. Yeah, and you can well, and my phone number, all all my information's up there. You can yeah give me a shout if you're interested. Yeah. So um, <coughs> we're going to close out now and uh, start playing the music. And it was great talking with you, Becky. And we'll talk with everybody again next week. And next Good. week also it's going to be Marvina Meek is going to be on talking about uh, karma versus dharma. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Be good. Well, it's always a pleasure, and thanks for um, having me. Okay. We'll talk later. Okay. Bye-bye.